Welcome to Dynamics of Dialogue, your one-stop shop for peace and love on the airwaves, a safe space for people of color and our allies. Join us every week as we have real dialogue with people going through real life. Your dynamic, your dialogue. Come get some. Welcome to Dynamics of Dialogue, everybody. This is your host, Rebel Queen. And today I am in the studio with my good friend, Ella Shea Farmer. Say hello. Happy Sunday. And our special guest, Camila Montgomery, playwright, poet extraordinaire, woman of all kind of means. Say hello to the people, Camila. Peace and blessings, everyone. How's everyone doing? Yes. I remember... um I, I invited you on, of course, to talk about this play. I remember when you first told me that you were going to do it, and here it is. Here we are. I know. <laughs> How are you feeling? It's surreal. It's uh, it's it's amazing, exciting, stressful. It's all. It's just a whole gamut of feelings. It really is. It is. But I'm glad I'm doing it as well. Good. Good. You know, we first talked about it I, uh, when I first wrote it. I tell everybody. I said I had caller ID in this play. I had to edit it out. That's how long. <laughs> <laughs> it really oh is, but I tweaked it, and uh-huh. you know, I twisted and turned a few things, and I got it done. So, yeah, we're doing it. That's great. You know, that's a beautiful thing about um getting out to experience the things. You know, it's something that has been in you to do for a long time, yes. and you finally just said, "Let me just go ahead and do yes. this." Overcame the fear. Put it out there. Yeah, and look at how many people just. It's just amazing, amazing, the support and the help. It, it really is. Just the community has come together and really helped me to do this. So yeah, I'm good. grateful. I'm glad. That's good. So tell me um, about the play. Let's, you know, I mean, I know I've seen it and read the script and everything, but let's talk about uh, the premise for the play of, of what's, what the setting is. It's called A Girl's Gotta Do What a Girl's Gotta Do. What is that all about? That's the play is about it's about three female college students who are about to graduate and go out into the real world and you know choose their own paths. That's what it's about. And they come together to they they want to maintain their friendship because mm-hmm. you know when you graduate you go this place you go on your way so they want to maintain their friendship so they make a pact to come together and have a yearly reunion, no matter what's going on in their lives. And it's about, um, it's just about being a friend to one another, no matter what your issues are, no matter, you know, where life takes you. It's like remaining friends with one another. That's really what I wanted to portray when I wrote this, how we can, we can disagree, we can, you know, have different um, walks of life, and still remain friends. Mm. So that's what it's about. And that part was really heartwarming because I know you get a lot of plays and there's drama and it's this and that, you know, but you don't really see a lot where um, you you see this continuity, you know, this this bond. And I think that's the thing that I really like about it because I know whatever I have going on, 
in life, it's always, if there's nobody that'll understand, nobody that'll show up, it's another black woman. It's a sister. It's always yeah. a sister. It's always a sister. It's always, and we need that. I mean, you know, it's it, the play was a really beautiful reminder of how much we need that. Yeah, and you'll see, in, even in the play, they, they have their battles. They battle yeah. with one another, and then they just come right on back and bring it on home. You know, yeah. we're sisters. Because so. we have to learn, you know, nobody's going to be perfect. Yes. But if, if, if I hurt my sister, I, I have to be able to apologize. Yes. If, if we, we have a, you know, we have to find a way to mend these fences. Um, so inside of this play, each of these characters have some, uh, pretty interesting issues <laughs> that they're dealing with. And I think these are issues that a lot of us as black women, yeah. as women, period, okay, probably, um, relate to, um, substance abuse. Um, I know I'm gonna. I gotta call these. I, 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 I every time I, I see the person and not the character because I, you know, <laughs> seen it. So, but so, um, Elise's character. What is she is? She's Jamie. Jamie, right? Jamie. She's um, she's a bougie. That's what I'm saying. She's a bougie sister because she um, she wants to um. You know, she's like, she wants to design her clothes and she wants to appear, you know, high on the horse. And, mm -hmm. <laughs> and so she's very bougie and very, um, she's very bougie and very, uh, uppity. Very uppity, yeah. Very uppity. That's the word I'm looking for, yes. Yes, I know. I get accused of that too. <laughs> um, although it's so weird because I'm like, one, it just depends because on one end yeah. I could be really bougie. You're down to earth and you know it. Yeah, I know. But see, that's because I could be down to earth around you. Yes. But my family, like my dad, they're so bougie. Really? And so when I, I could be that way, but I'm really more, you know, <laughs> hood. Yeah. You know, I'm, like, hood. I'm from the hood. I can, you know. I like Kool-Aid. Okay, no, I don't really drink Kool-Aid. You can drink Kool-Aid out your wine glass. Right. I know. Well, look, yeah, no, I, I, right. no, I'm, I'm the bitch that put fruit in my Kool-Aid. Okay, I like to put, I like the fancy Kool-Aid. Fruit set it off. <laughs> fruit set the Kool-Aid off. You know, but and red Kool-Aid at that. Go okay, ahead, tell the truth. Yeah, not cherry. Red, the red, red. The red. Yeah, well, it's cherry. We do. Black people don't have cherry Kool-Aid. We got red. red. <laughs> So, that is the truth. It is, but you know, the, so, uh, so Jamie's got, um, substance abuse issues and, um, Kadari, that's the one with the, she's her, she's the one with the mother daughter issues. Yeah, she has mother daughter issues. Mm -hmm. Because her mother is very religious. She's yes. uh, fanatical in her religion. Mm -hmm. And, about um, the book. huh? About the book. Totally about the book. <laughs> Blessed and highly favored. Yes, you know you can't. Oh my God, I can't stand up this conversation with those people, girl. How you doing? Well, the Lord willing, I'll talk to you tomorrow, girl. Stop I it. Mean. What you mean? Is the Lord willing for you to live tomorrow? Stop it. Or you call them in the ass machine has like a twenty minute prayer on it. Just stop it, like you said. Just cut it out. Yes, okay. I so she has it. problems with her mother, uh -huh. and because she's getting into who she is spiritually, mm -hmm. she's looking within herself. So she's uh connecting with her African spirituality. And then see that's so and that's so important. Very important. Because so many of us are doing that right now. Yes, for sure. Yeah. That's the order of the day. It really is. It you is. gotta get into self. Yes. Look with yeah. this man. And so that's what she's doing. And mm -hmm. so she's clashing with her mother. Yes. <laughs> and that's that's Big a, time. that's yeah. a huge and that's a huge thing. That's a huge thing. And then uh Monique, um her background is she's been dealing with some issues of sexual promiscuity. Sure. Yeah. She also has mother daughter issues. Mm -hmm. Right. 
Yeah, she does. So she, a, mm-hmm. Go ahead. You know what I'm saying? She just wants to be famous, mm-hmm. you know, quote unquote. And she feels like um, her family, she grew up very poor. Mm-hmm. And so her mother is, you know, she's a, like a backwards woman. You know, she's not, you know, cla- uh, flashy at all. Ooh. So it's hitting home, huh? <laughs> no, I mean, so, it's just, it. well, you know, um, you know, it did, actually. Mm-hmm. It did. When you said that, it, and it didn't materialize until you recognized it and you said it, but it's not so much that I feel like, um, like my mom was, she's, she definitely wasn't the flashy type. Well, maybe in her younger days, you know, but right. she found religion. Mm-hmm. But I know part of the struggle is what I felt was there is a particular way of being that my mom had that I've been wanting to escape from. And I think that's where the root, the real heart of those mother-daughter issues, because it's, we talk about patriarchy, all the different, the difficult things that exist in our culture. We are, as women, we participate in perpetuating those things. And we just don't really understand. Because, I mean, this is what life is. Yes, that's true. It's what life has been. I've been watching, I keep, I haven't been able to stop talking about it, but since I've been watching Game of Thrones, it, it, I mean, I know it's a, it's a, a fictional series, but the, the, the way, the standard of living, the ideals, all of those things were very real. This is a part of our culture. This has been a part of history in the way that women have been in. And there's a line, um, well, that it, it makes me, it, there's a line in the in the poem that you're going to do today that really makes me think about that, that understanding and accept, acceptance of our mothers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we need that to heal mm-hmm. so that we know. You know. Um, so there's there's so many big issues that you're tackling in this play. And I wanted to unpack that because I, I'm aware that some of these things, are, it's kind of like a little bit of autobiog- autobiographical. Yeah, really? yeah. <laughs> you want to talk about that a little bit? Because, um, like I said earlier, I didn't even know that it was. I didn't even know it was personal at all. I really mm-hmm. didn't. I just began writing. And the amazing thing about it is I was producing a poetry show. And it was so stressful. Musicians weren't in place. You know, it, it just, you know, wasn't coming together. I was trying to do this and trying to do that. And I didn't have a lot of help. And so I was so stressed. I said, what? I said, I need to do stress. So I said, let me just start writing. And I just started writing this play. And I was like, whoa. Play. It was like a journal. It was there. It, it was there. And so in that stressful moment, I began to, you know, quiet myself and start writing this. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it just came out. And then after I'd written it, I was like, whoa, you're kind of talking about your life. And I didn't realize that. You know, I didn't. But it, I was. Yeah. I was talking about my mother daughter issues. I was talking about, you know, being on drugs. And sleeping around and doing all of it, just yeah, just having a good old time. Yeah, having a good old time. <laughs> yeah, because a lot of us do that, and yeah. it's, it's escape. It's a way to escape. Yeah, so really. I, I am happy that like I'm looking forward to the play because I want to see how um, just to watch it play out and just yeah. to see the different ways uh, the sisterhood supports each other. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of us. We we talk, you know, women gossip. We we talk to each other too. I'm like, well, we have to. We well, kind of have to. We kind of have to depend on ourselves for communication and understanding yes. because mm-hmm. we wouldn't know what the other sister is going through if she doesn't tell. 
and we go through so much and don't speak out on it, don't have sisterhood. So when we have it, yeah, we need to embrace it. And what's, what I'm learning with these conversations is the normal that is being projected is not really what's happening. Mm-hmm. We have this false normal that we're all trying to uphold. That's right. It's not happening. It hasn't happened. And the same people, like you mentioned, our mothers, want us to maintain the standard that they couldn't maintain. That's true. So now they hold us up. Like, okay, you do it now. Mm-hmm. Your turn. You try it. But it didn't work for you. <laughs> what makes you think it's going to work for me? Right. And so now we come into this thing where we're there are those of us who are progressing along with time, along with the spiritual journey that this that Kadari is on. I, I'm on that very same path. I've been on that same path. So if we're now understanding that we're moving into a place of understanding, of knowledge, enlightenment, yes. and information, then it it will naturally create resistance in relationships when you're dealing with people who insist that you do things based on tradition or just because that's the way it's always been. Right, because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I think a lot of that is that we have this tendency to kind of, we're um, kind of in, what's the word I'm looking for? Like autopilot mode? Where we're not paying attention. It's like you just imagine, right? Yeah. We're sleepwalking because you, you our life. If you look at I, all of these issues that you just highlighted, I can think of people I know that this is well. This happened in one person's life, right? right? All of these things they right, you know, all these things you experience in life, and you live these circumstances, and it becomes so overwhelming that you don't ever deal with anything. Everything you deal with is on a surface level. You don't ever ask why. You don't ever dig deeper. And when you don't imagine, you know, look at the quality of your life, right? Just from living in this autopilot mode, it's because the situations in your past is what has taken over for you. So for these characters, how would you say that they managed to overcome the the challenges? What, What were the key things and how they related to life or to one another that helped them overcome some of these challenges? Well, the key things is of course the sisterhood mm-hmm. but ironically um um monique's character mm-hmm. she's having mother-daughter issues as well mm-hmm. and her mother in her wisdom she um brings the girls together the one who's so uneducated and you know we don't want to listen to our mothers they have wisdom they know stuff and in her wisdom she brought these girls together at the end and helped them to heal. She told, um, she told Kadari, call your mother. Tell her you love her. And Kadari responded saying, well, I don't, she said, mm-hmm. call her. You know, she gave her that advice. Mm-hmm. And so she promised that she would, you know, so there's some healing that's going to take place mm-hmm. between the fanatical religious mother mm-hmm. and the Afrocentric daughter, you know, because mm-hmm. she's going to make that phone call. Mm-hmm. So it was in that, that elderly woman, big mama, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that helped them to come together. Mm-hmm. I really do value big mama's prayer. Definitely. We don't have right. enough big mama. We do not have enough. Mm-hmm. We really don't. We really don't. Enough. My generation, we talk about it all the time. Um, I have friends that are grandmothers. They don't have time to be big mom because it's a whole lot that comes. There's you can't just pop in the big mama role. I don't mm-hmm. even if you're eighty, if you haven't, you know what I mean. It doesn't. It, that's not because of age. It's because of your level of care, your level of attention. That's true. you know your ability to be a therapist. 
ability to <laughs> support your community. You know, sometimes you have to step outside of yourself you and really look at do. the bigger picture. That's a skill set. Everybody can't do That's it. That's a skill set. And you we know. used to have, like you're saying, we mm-hmm. used to have that in the community. Mm-hmm. You do something wrong before you get home, you already know Big Mama done, she, she gonna get you. Because the lady next door mm-hmm. already have called her and told her, mm-hmm. you know. Because they felt responsible for yes. all of the people in the community. All of the people. That's, the we, we don't really have too much of that. It's, oh, that's, that's their business over there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not community-based support. That's true. We the don't even know our neighbors. We don't know our neighbors. Know. Well, we actually like, why are you parking on my grass? <laughs> why are you? Yeah. Why are your kids over here running on my grass instead of oh, who? What's your name? It is important. It is a sense of community that's needed, um, and I think that that's another. It this seeing this play kind of took me there. It kind of made me feel like these women wrapped their arms around each other. And meant it. They really did. And meant it. And yes. meant it. Yeah. That that is very significant. Um, to be able to operate on that kind of level where we can connect with one another. I'm just not to, to make it sound like it's going off point, but when you look at like mental illness or substance abuse, because we'll just say that yes. substance abuse issues that is considered a mental health challenge. It's it's covered with behavior under behavioral health, and they're all kind of under the same umbrella. And for these things, it's sort of like. Um, as prevalent as they are in our community, it's coping, right? If we're, think about the trauma that we experience, nobody's just become sexual, sexually promiscuous for no reason. The majority, I, I don't really know people. I mean, I'm not a therapist, I'm not a doctor, but I, the people that I know that have shared their experiences with promiscuity have also been victims, survivors yes. of sexual assault. Right. So there's there's lots of things underneath that. It, it By the time you get to the substance abuse, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, it really is. It's just the tip. Oh, that's yeah. True. There's a reason for the that's substance definitely abuse. definitely a reason. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's a reason why all of this exists. And this this lack of community, this lack of understanding, one of the things that really stood out to me was um, um, the way that they didn't understand. Like, I didn't feel like, I felt like, you know, I could relate with Monique. You know, as I'm having been a survivor of sexual assault, domestic violence, you know, there's a way of people when something becomes normalized to you. And I don't really feel shame of talking about it anymore. But when something becomes normalized to you, it becomes normalized to you. So it's not if you if if somebody has been mishandling you sexually and and the underlying message you're getting from the time that you're a child and the underlying message you're getting is this is what my body is for. Mm -hmm. At one point, you're going to realize. I can make a profit off of this. And again, going back into history, looking at it, I'm, I mean, as I watch this, it really, Game of Thrones, it really materializes for me how women have learned historically how to financially gain, how to use our bodies. If we, if it's like almost like they feel like if this is what they want and they want it so bad that they're willing to do anything to get it, I'm going to capitalize off of it and I'm going to use it to manipulate them. And the, the the real tragedy becomes that we demonize the woman for doing that. Yeah, because it doesn't help. It doesn't, it doesn't make her feel better. It doesn't make her feel better, but we don't ever deal with the root cause of Never. why she she's able to separate from her body like that. Exactly, because that's what's going to make her feel better. Right, and so, but so she, but Latrice, Lachey just said right here, separate from her body. You, you separate mentally from your body. You treat it like a product, like a commodity, and you're okay with it. That's the thing. When you become okay with it, that's where you might realize you have a separation. It's like, all right, you know what? 
this is going to work. Yeah. And you, it's, it's a type of thing, you know, there's, and I think, and, and in order, so I can really see how you get, you know, things like substance abuse and promiscuity because all of these things help you stay numb. That's true. That's what I said. You think, you, you think you're, you're okay, mm-hmm. but you're just not. Mm-hmm. You're not, you're not. So can I ask you, when, how, how did you overcome? Because, you know, we look and see, I don't really know that we got an understanding about Jamie's character, how she overcame substance abuse in her life. Well, actually, Jamie has a relationship with her mother and father. She has a mother and father in the play. Uh huh. You right. know? Mm-hmm. And they are, they're, um, they're bougie, of course. So she's bougie. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, shower her with money mm-hmm. in the whole nine yards. Mm-hmm. So, but it doesn't allow her to know who she is. And so she's trying to, you know, please them and follow in their footsteps. And she's not looking within. She, they want her to go to law school. She doesn't want to go to law school. She wants to be a dancer, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, that's why she got on the drugs mm-hmm. because she's numbing herself, as you just said. That's what she's doing. She's numbing herself. And so when she, um, she just, she rebelled against her parents. Mm-hmm. She said, no, I'm not going to do what you asked me to do. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they were upset, but she's like, i got to find my way. And that's what she did. So she uh, she did go abroad. She did everything she wanted. they wanted her to do. Mm-hmm. But then when she came back, she said, no, I want to be a dancer. That's what I'm going to do. So she ends up going to a dance academy and doing what she, you know, what she loved. And so, therefore, she got off the drugs. She got off the prescription drugs. Mm-hmm. Oh, right. So for her character, that was a prescription. And I think, because I think it can be different. Prescription drugs, well, you can buy them off the street. You can. Or street drugs. It doesn't matter. It's all drugs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. Different kind of drugs. It is. It is. Although I think I, I, somehow I still see, I see them as different. I see, um, I guess going, uh, maybe I just see it as different because of my experiences. Mm you know, dealing with addiction in my family and my relatives and watching my mom go through, um, you know, go through coming off of that. It was difficult. Uh, it's very difficult. And I can imagine it's the same, but I guess one carries a stigma and the other one doesn't. To me, they're both can kill you. They both, they both can kill you. Yeah. Exactly. Lots of people. Cause really that's what killed Whitney Houston is right. Cause she had the combination. She was on prescription drugs and she was using street drugs yeah so it's all it's all difficult um nonetheless but how did you overcome substance abuse in your life that's been way back because it's been a many years and i'm grateful for that you know but uh writing is what did it for me mm. i realized that i could write mm-hmm. and i started journaling and writing my experiences mm. and as i wrote i was like this is not what i should be doing you know, mm-hmm. the more I wrote. So that's what helped me mm-hmm. is to just go within myself. And then we grew up very, very poor. We were very poor. And our only outlet was the library. We used to walk a mile to the library, my brothers and I. Mm-hmm. We used to sit in the library all day. We had nothing else to do. And then we'd walk a mile back home. So reading and writing, that's what saved me. It really did. Mm-hmm. So if I have to if I had to name one thing, I would say it was that. Because I was out there, let me tell you. <laughs> and then, and so was it, it, 
because I know at one point she's had a really interesting life. At one point, you were uh, married to a pastor. You were a first lady. Yes. So was that that was after that was after the drug. So and because I can because I and I and I'm I'm putting that together because it was the same for my mom after she, you know, she didn't go into nobody's deep rehab. Yes, I didn't do anything. No, she didn't. I I I watched it and it was very difficult to watch. You know, someone you love go through this process um and then now knowing that could have killed her <laughs> you know yes. it could have killed y'all you don't even think about it you don't think about it oh, but you, you 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 pray you're like oh if i could just get out of this one i promise, promise. i won't do it again and the I next know. day like i'm getting high i know wow I know. but then but then it was and it was after that that she began to go to the church and uh it was Pentecostal, so you know there. Yeah. <laughs> so I mean Pentecostal with the washboard Pentecostal. You go in the sanctuary and they got the washboard and the thing. You know what I'm talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. But that wasn't my experience. The church the church didn't I, I kinda of turned my you know, like I said, I went within before I joined the church. So when That's I why joined the church see. I know, I was like, This ain't it. Yeah. This, this is not helping me. It's not helping me at all. Mm-hmm. I know who I am and what I'm seeing and what I'm in. And then being the first lady. Oh my goodness. You saw everything. I saw the ins, outs, up, down, backwards, forward. I saw it all. Everything. And I was like, this is just not, this is an organization that is not helping me. No. It really isn't. Yeah. So it's a good thing that I found out who I was before I went there, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad. So really what helped you get, uh, um, what helped you advance into a place of recovery was getting in touch with yourself. Exactly. Right. So it's about connections to me. It it, it still resonates connections yes. with me. Yeah. yeah. It seems like this poem was therapy. But... Yeah, yeah, and that's so what it, that was. A, it was a tell on yourself poem. <laughs> well, and it is. It is, and that's you know, and that's a great segue because I was just about to ask you to do it. Okay. Uh, so <laughs> right now, everybody, I'm going to ask. I'm asking. Um, you know, it's always tough to to interview someone that I personally know because it's like parts of the conversation that occur off air. But um, Camila is an amazing poet, and she's got this poem called Round the Way Girl. I absolutely love. And I'm going to ask her if she can bless the microphone with her. See, I was a round the way girl. Southside projects define my world. Struggled every single day trying to find my own way. Hardly any food to eat, but maybe some day old cream of wheat. Three kids to a bed, me, I'm crouched up ahead. Wore hand me down clothes, shoes exposed my bare toes. Tired of living in want, hated how the other kids were torn. Well, family ain't making ends meet, so I took to the streets. Turned to bad boys and drugs when all I needed was hugs. Nose raw from snorting cocaine, alcohol and pills just driving me insane. Promiscuous sex done on a dare. Needed love so I didn't care. But got no respect from a man cause see I just didn't understand. To further crush my dreams, I'm now pregnant at 18. Forced to grow up really fast, now my life's on full blast. It's like a ticking time bomb. Well, I'll just blame it on mom. But she don't really care. She got her own cross to bear. So guess I'll take responsibility and try to raise my family. Get my life back on track and pat my own self on the back. 
With God's help, I began to pray. That love guided me all the way. Now I'm no longer ashamed. I'm glad I did that for one reason. I think I turned out okay despite the struggles back in the day. And grateful I grew up to be the phenomenal woman. That's me. I love that poem. She gets all my snaps. All the snaps. I love that poem. It touches on so many things. The part that resonates with me the most at this moment right now is she's got her own cross to bear. And it, and I jotted that down because it speaks to the mother daughter issues in the play. Um, it speaks to the mother daughter issues I've experienced and part of my own healing. Um, with my own mother required me to go inside of myself, get in touch with me. And when we talk about that, people are like, well, what did that really mean? It means that you need to go inside and deal with your inner child. Yes. Because we all yes. have that. Yes. When you see grown adults acting like children, it's because they are acting, they're responding from the place that they were wounded at. Yes. So as a child, now there's lots of um, and and that's a that's not an intersection to beat yourself up. That's a place for understanding and healing. Yes, and exactly. healing because as a child, you you don't have the, you're not going to process things that you see at eight that you would at eighteen or twenty eight. Um, those are different things. And for me, looking at those experiences at that period of time when you know made me feel like my mom didn't love me, and that's usually. Uh, what a lot of people, she doesn't love me. She wants me to do these things and she's mean to me. That Those are usually anybody that you can talk to with mom issues. They're going to say one of those three That's things. Said, right? One of those three things. That's why I put it in there. I said, because mm-hmm. she, she don't really care. She got her own cross to bear. She, and, and, and that to me, I had to realize that the experiences I went through with my mom, even her substance abuse, she lived her own life of trauma. Yes. She was acting and responding of her own yes. trauma. And she had to realize that's a process that each and every one of us has to come through. We have to go internally, see it for ourselves. So, yes. It doesn't, the, the, the trauma doesn't disappear because we have kids. That's, no. That's when you really learn. That's, that's, that's when, when it, you know. That's when you, if you weren't triggered then, you'll be triggered <laughs> then. I, as a parent, as, because what I didn't recognize is that even as a parent, I remember somebody threatened my son. One apartment complex we live in, he was, like 10 mm-hmm. and this grown woman had her son throw my son's bike in the lake i'll have you know oh i had no idea i had that ability but all parts of me was so triggered to i walked i showed up at her at her house i went to her apartment her mama answered the door i, I know it's terrible y'all i apologize <laughs> to this day i cussed her mama out i let her mama have it and then when i went back and the girl was there i let her know anybody from today going forward if my son comes home with a bruise, a scratch, I'm punching you in the face. I'm coming to beat your ass. Anything, just because you're an adult and you're going to make, you're going to have grown, uh, you're going to have older kids go beat up my little son. Oh, yeah. yeah. If he gets hurt, I'm coming for you, bitch. So you better watch it. You better watch it. <laughs> she, she rem- See how you remember? Oh, she meant that. You you remember? I she mean meant it, it oh, yeah, today. She means it now. You're you invoking those feelings <laughs> today. today. No, I mean, I, I still carry today that if mm-hmm. there's, when I see, when I run into issues, he's a grown man. He's yeah, an adult man. Matter, yeah. He is 27 years old, an adult man, fully capable of taking care of himself. But when I am in a situation where I see somebody is doing something to him, that's, you know, shady, got da, 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 da. Oh, I'm on you. Yeah. I'm on you. And all I need is the word. <laughs> that's 
<laughs> and so when he thinks my mom don't care, maybe because you, like you said, you're dealing with your own loss and your own issues, you, deal, we you all, still care. We all deal as we all deal with our own crosses, and we don't understand sometimes that. When we're dealing with those crosses, it's better to do it before you have kids. God, if I knew that. <laughs> it's very true. It does it's shape how you rear your children. It shapes how you rear your children. If you're children. raising your children rooted in fear, fear. instead of love, you're going to make decisions based on survival. That's right. That's and that's true. exactly what happened with me. And this is what's happening all over our community. A lot of us are making decisions out of fear. Out of fear. That's true. You know, and 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 it's unfortunate. I was, I'm, I'm, I even argued with my mother today. We got, I think we got into like 48 hours ago. But it's <laughs> always because she's afraid mm-hmm. that something may or may not happen. It's an issue of control to an extent, mm-hmm. you know. But the the root of it is fear, right? And she wants, she always wants the best for me. You know, she has this whole life she had planned out for me. I, I didn't do it. See? It just didn't work. It, it wasn't working that Jamie. way for me. Yes. yes, I was. Yeah, yes, I was Jamie. I was Jamie. It was not. I just wasn't going to do it that way. She wanted, and everything she wanted me to do was not because of my passion. It was because of money. Because you know, we're in a, we're not in a service-based economy. We're in a commercial-based economy to where people, if if your job is this, whether you're getting paid or not, you need to do it. Not out here though. So everything I was geared towards was, you need to be a doctor. You need to be a lawyer. You need to be something that makes a ton of money. So I had to it took probably about five years of me being on an entrepreneurial journey for her to even accept that I wasn't going to do that. And I can make more money with my skill set in yes, writing exactly. than I can make with any of these things you want me to go to school. Mm-hmm. And it took me forever, but that's because when she was, it, it, I think it was probably a year after I had my daughter, she's like, I was so hard on you because I had to struggle with you. Your father and I broke up. I had to survive. That's why I'm under, she's, under, she's putting pressure on me to make sure mm-hmm. I have a certain level of income. So this goes back to, and I know a lot of folks, and I know you've heard the saying before, we raise our sons, we raise our daughters, and we love oh, our sons. Yes. We prepare our daughters. We're tougher on our daughters. I don't have a daughter, but I'm saying this is, you know, we, we're tougher on the daughters because we want them to be able to deal with all of these things. And the, they're the nurturers. They're yes, the nurturers, they're and we're easier on the sons because we know the hell that they're about to experience in life. And there's absolutely nothing. But what's that funny we can about do. that statement is do we not know the hell that we're about to experience that's in right. life? Right. Why are it's, we exempted that's from true. you know our hell coordinating things to make sure they don't go through all that's this? That's very hell. true. But that's the it's, it's that so we make normal. It's it's so normal. We 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 are uh, it, again it goes back to this whole living our lifestyle of sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. I got to do, I got to do. And you, yeah, we will you totally dissociate our own hell. And That's don't true. even know why you're doing it. Why. I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to just talk about it. Hear you. I'm just like going to talk about it. This, I'm just going to do it because I'm because I need people, you know, for me, I do these things and I share because I think we, we just don't understand the extent of what this does, this dissociation does and how far that can take you. Back in November, I checked myself into the mental hospital. And I'm sharing that because of the, the, I was, I've been experiencing this dissociation to the point where I was doing things and I didn't even know I was doing it. I was cooking and see the mark is gone. I'm surprised that it's, well, I don't see it yeah, it's mostly gone. It's, I could tell it was right here. I was in the kitchen cooking and I burned myself. The burn mark was about this long. Uh, it was about maybe I'll say four inches because I always have to remember I'm not doing a video, a live radio show. I'm doing a podcast now. 
So it was about four or five inches long. I burnt myself. Uh, and the problem was not that I burnt myself and that I was cooking. It was that I don't remember cooking. I don't remember burning myself. I don't ever remember feeling any pain. And I showed the scar to my mom. My mom was an x-ray technician. She worked in, in UMDNJ in a trauma center at the time. That was the trauma center, the state trauma center in New Jersey. So she's seen all in the ER. So she's seen all kinds of trauma. My mom was working in x-ray before there were MRIs, when she had to be in the operating room with the surgeons and doing developing, you know, stuff like that. So she looked at it like, yeah, that was a pretty significant burn. And I'm like, how was I doing this? And I don't, I didn't even feel pain. I didn't. And so it's, it's for me that, and I, I, that's to me is a really dangerous thing to be able to do, to to be that disconnected from yourself that you're doing things and you don't know. And and then I burnt myself and I didn't even feel no pain. I don't, I don't, I, I, I don't, I wouldn't have even known that I, that it happened had it not been for the scar. And, 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 and I'm just saying that because I know for me, I'm very open about that, right? I'm a survivor. So how many of us, if we know that more than 60% of us are survivors and we think about, we fashion our lives where we're not paying attention to how we feel. We're not getting in touch with ourselves because that's what, that's what saved you. Yes. Getting in touch with yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and then we're taking care of our family. We're putting everybody else in front of ourselves. And so, of course, those who want to run away, those who want to live their life, like Jamie, wanted to live her life. Mm-hmm. You, your mom, Lisha, trying to tell you to be a doctor. I sat here, when she said a doctor, I sat here like. You see, I never even told you that part. This woman is just not- wasn't. When I met her. I was already in entrepreneurial mode. Yeah. There was no such thing as that. Because I'm, like, I'm like, I cannot see this woman. When did that happen? <laughs> I, I mean, but I'm saying, because I'm like, that is so not her. No, no so not you. It it's so not her. But the mothers don't care if that's so not you. And they there's don't not a lot of for you what they want for you. There's not a lot of us strong enough yes. to go against the person that reared. Exactly. Right. You know, you, and that's why the, that's where the depression and the anxiety comes from, because, you know, spiritually, you're not happy. Mm-hmm. But you have this ideal situation you need to uphold, and you're right. under pressure since childhood to be this person that you you don't really want to be. You don't want to be the people that raised you. Be. Don't even want to be those people sometimes. Right. right. But we. But and 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 the thing that makes us want to be these things that we don't want to be is because of acceptance. Exactly. We feel like because I, I know for me, I had to unpack that with my mom. It was always about being accepted in front of white people. And that mm. would drive me crazy. Like, stop it. I'm yeah, when, you be- think, when you think about the, and they, and they think that it's not, oh, I'm not trying to please white people. But when you look at the core of the people you are trying to please, that's where they got their oh, idea from. Look at Jane. So you really that's are. She got her idea. That's, what that's the a idea. good point. That's exactly, good point. that's exactly where it comes from. Because it comes from a period of time. I remember when I was little, um, socks, underwear, no holes in case you, something happened. You don't want to get in the hospital and you see, you see what I'm saying? It was always be prepared. Don't do this. Don't do that in front of them. Don't do this mm-hmm. in front of them. Don't. That was the culture. It's constantly altering who you are to yes. adjust to this main overarching theme in society. And it, it, it does it. it. It creates identity issues. It creates spiritual That's issues. All kinds so of many problems. So issues. many problems. Identity issues. I see because I'm looking at the levels of acceptance. You can't accept. Like you're so busy trying to be accepted by everyone else, you're not accepting yourself. Yes, and it's the self acceptance. It has been. I can tell you, 
it's not meds. I, the, the, the stay in the mental hospital was a whole nother. That's another show, y'all. I could do a whole show on that <laughs> because I'm going to tell you do it. the experience was more harmful Man. than oh, helpful. Wow. It was more, but what, what took me out of it, I was only there because of safety. For me, I felt like that's a safety issue mm-hmm. if I'm, can, you know, and I don't know what I'm doing in that regard, but for me, what helped me recover in that experience was acceptance and connecting with people. That's what helped me, self-acceptance. Because I didn't get better there. Right? I got better right. when I came home. Right? Yes. You know, I got sta- I got more stable. I got to the place where that whole episode passed. Mm-hmm. And I knew I was okay because I'm in a place where I literally cannot hurt myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no matter how hard I try. Right. It is right. not going to happen. <laughs> you know, but. At the same time, um, it was really getting in touch. And it was after I came out that my spiritual awakening kicked up 10 notches. See? And as I began to dig deeper into myself. So it's really about having that relationship with self, that love of self. It's, that most important. it's more important than anything. Than anything. Because really, ultimately, I'm, I, I'm I, at this stage in my life. I don't believe that there is any there is no mental illness. There is only lost connections and that's lack of, of self-love that's and, and, and internal. And yeah, yeah, that's where I believe. I so, believe it as well. Yeah. You know, I, and I'm so excited to see this play. I cannot wait to see it in its full regalia. I can't wait either. Yes, because I get to see the dance and hear all the sing, oh, all my, of it, you know, yes. together in, in its full, um, you know, goings on. But. Uh, we're about to run out of time. And before we do, I want to just make sure we cover any final closing comments. I think it's been, I, I'll start off by saying it's been a great conversation. Thanks for allowing the space to have this. Thank you for even putting together a play of this magnitude. I would encourage you to continue it. Um, I, I do think you should get a director because that's true. The stress <laughs> is probably. The stress is, is like killing me. I yeah. promise you. I'm like, because I had a director. Mm-hmm. And she bowed out. So I said, a girl's got to do what a girl's got to <laughs> do. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I literally said that to her. I didn't ask her why. I just, yeah. I just told I gave her the tagline. Yeah. And I, so I ended up being in the position myself, which that's not, I didn't, I didn't ask for it. I really and didn't. I wanted to help so bad. And I really did. But you know, now no, I'm not able to get all the way down there for your rehearsals all the time. But I, I, that's I, quite all right. I, I, I think this is what you're doing is amazing. Thank you. I was thinking about when you were talking. That's what I say all the time. It's better to understand than to be understood. That's how I came to grips with my mom. That's how I came to grips with this this play. You know, so whatever you, you know, you contribute is, trust me, I understand. I really do. And I appreciate it more than you ever will know. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So do you have any other parting words about the play or anything before we wrap up? No, I just, like you said, I want everybody to come see it because it is a play of deliverance, you know, and it's, um, it's just something that we need uh, in our community right now. We need unity. We need sisterhood. So love, y'all come understanding. Out yes. yes, February second. Yes. February second. Okay, so February second, and from uh, seven to ten, this is at Three D Complex, twenty two forty four Panola Road in Lithonia three zero zero five eight. Please check it out. Go to Eventbrite. Look up a girl's got to do what a girl's got to do. Uh, get your tickets, y'all. They're only twenty dollars, and yeah. to me, I, I think this conversation alone. You know, we talk. Yes. All, this play contains all of this. It holds space for all of this. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and I mean, for a first play, that is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a good, good opportunity for people to witness the healing. Yes, yes. Just to see how it could happen. 
Because a lot of people can't figure out how to navigate or where to start their own healing. Mm-hmm. So to be able to watch people do it on the stage, I think it'd be really helpful. Mm-hmm. And that's true because I know another reason, you know, purpose for this podcast is, you know, lots of us, we're studying our African spirituality. We know we need to heal. We know all these things. But we don't necessarily know how to heal. We don't know. We don't understand how to begin. And it is a, it, healing is not a pretty process at all. Yeah, everybody else, so y'all just watch that TV stuff. It ain't pretty. Yeah, I'll let you know. Listen, it don't happen in an hour. It sure does. It's a journey, ain't it? It's a, it's a whole journey. It's a whole journey, man. Get some snacks. <laughs> I know. Get ready. Get some yeah. snacks, some crystals, and some sage. That's all I'm saying. You're going to need all don't that. Don't forget the sage. Don't forget the sage. Y'all, yes. I just ordered me some uh, lavender sage. Oh wow! Yeah, I, I I was looking for the la- I wanted the lavender with it because you know the lavender is so common. I never heard of that. Oh, listen, I'm telling oh. you, I I we got to talk. I, we got to talk. Yeah, because yes. we got some. I got some stuff going on. All here. right, girl. <laughs> yeah, but we're all about protecting our energy around yes, right here. Right. Yes, because everything is energy. Yes, yes it is. Yes, everything. Yes, it is. Yes, yes, it, is. Yes, it, is. Yes, yes, it is. Neuroscience says that, so y'all don't ever forget it. Science says it. Listen, once again, thank you all for joining us uh, for this podcast today. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, visit our website at officialdfd.com, officialdfd.com. Come and join our community because this is what we're about, right? Healing, connections, understanding. Uh, every Sunday, 3 p.m., we're airing a new episode. Join us next week. Love you all. Have a good week. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in every Sunday at 3 p.m. at officialdfd.com. Follow us on social media at officialdfd. Your dynamic, your dialogue. Come get some.